0: Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Seniors, you're on the verge of a next step where it's going to be time to grow up. How many eighth graders we got in the room? Oh, there's more than, there are like five people raise their hand. There's more than that. Anyways, eighth graders, guess what? Next year, it's going to be time to grow up a little bit. You're going to be in high school. Time to change. Okay, here we go. How many sixth graders we got in the room? About a million, right? And everybody else in the room is like, hey, it's time to grow up. Because it's like every year. Every year I hope this about our sixth graders, by the way. I always go, you know what? This is gonna be the year that we will not have to call out the sixth graders during worship. And I hear people laughing, right? It's like, yeah, whatever. But I think that, and and you guys, you need to know this, whenever we go places and we take you as high school students, we take you as middle school students, people constantly look at our group and they go, how can you do those kinds of things with your group? And and like me and Parker and our coaches, we just kind of go, I don't know, we just, we kind of expect a lot out of them. We try our best to treat you guys like adults, we try our best to speak to you like adults, And I think you guys, like to some level, begin comprehending and behaving like adults. And tonight, as Parker said, you're going to need to put your grown-up pants on tonight because we are talking about something eternal. You can't help but think about death, and it makes you think about life. And you can't help but think about life and think about death and what happens beyond this. I know some of you guys have a really hard time not seeing past the weekend. You're like, oh my gosh, can the week please get over? It's taking forever! I want Friday! Because you're sixth school. And you're like, the weekend's never gonna get there. I'm never gonna turn 16. I'm never gonna get my driver's license. This sucks. I know some of you guys are like that. But I love calling you guys up to a level of adulthood and that's what we're gonna do tonight. So I want you to be ready for it, because as Parker said, we're going to be talking about baptism. And students, this is something that is of utmost importance in your life, whether you know it or not. Some of you, tonight is your first night here, and you're annoyed that you got a name tag on. You may not know why you're here. Maybe you got bamboozled into being here. I know there's at least one person that's in that seat, and I feel bad for that person, but God's got you here for a reason. I want you to hear this message of hope. In Acts chapter 2, we hear a story about a young, young man named Peter. Now, Peter was a man that followed Jesus for years, and we've talked a lot about Jesus, you guys. Jesus is God sent to earth To take a punishment that you and I couldn't take on a cross. Because our sins, the wages of our sin is death. The wages of my sin is death. And he came to pay that price for us. And Peter followed this man. Peter was the guy, if you guys remember me talking about earlier, weeks ago, that was willing to step out onto the water because Jesus told him to. He was willing to do that. Not long after that, the story goes on. Jesus is under trial, getting ready to be crucified. Peter is outside the courtroom, maybe by a fire in a courtyard. Someone says, hey, hey, you're, you're one of his followers, aren't you? He's like, no, nah, that ain't me. Gets back to doing whatever. Someone says, no, 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 no. No, you, you are. You know him. And he's like, no, seriously, leave me alone. And then another one goes, no, look, you talk like him. You are from his area. He gets angry and he goes, I have never known the man. And then some people would argue that he curses in that moment. it's like, I don't know who that is about the man that was about to die for his sin. That's what Peter did. Jesus was then crucified and he was buried. Jesus' followers in that moment, they fled. They were scared. They didn't know what next was going to be. But three days later, you see, Jesus defeated the grave. And he rose again. And here's what happened to Peter. Jesus looked him in the eye and recommissioned him. He said, Peter, I know that you've screwed up. I know that you've made mistakes. I'm going to use you. And I want to share with you guys tonight one of the first moments that God used Peter in a powerful, powerful way. It's in Acts chapter two. Peter went from being this coward that ran and fled and hid and lied and was ashamed about his faith I I don't know. None of you have ever been ashamed about your faith, right? This is what happened. Peter stood before some of the very people that were screaming, crucify him, at Jesus' public trial. Some of those exact people, the people that held the power to end his life, Peter was preaching a sermon with power, and he stood up. And this is what he said. He went through the history of who Jesus was, and he said, look, people, you were looking for a Savior. He was the one. And he said, therefore, let all of Israel, like all of these people standing here before him, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He looked at him and he said, You may not even know that he was the one that you were looking for, but he was dying for you. He made him Lord and Savior. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, they were broke to their knees. It's like they were overwhelmed with this level of hopelessness. What am I gonna do? I cashed it all in, I'm done. There's no coming back from this. If I crucified that Jesus, it's hopeless, right? Peter looked at him and said, here's the deal, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Students, I've talked to you about being fertile soil. We are the ones that are far off whom the Lord our God will call. That is me. That is you. That this message that Peter was preaching on this day wasn't just intended for those people. Look, some of you have no clue why Jesus would want to choose to live a sinless life and die a murderer's death to take a punishment that he didn't deserve on your, first, on your behalf. Because listen, some of you are sitting here going, I'm not worthy of that kind of sacrifice. Some of you are saying, God doesn't even know who I am. Some of you are sitting here saying, I don't, I don't need that. Don't talk to me. Who's this old guy on the stage talking to me like I need this Jesus? I want to talk to you very briefly about the Savior that you need. Because I have a firm belief, yes, there is one person tonight. I am so grateful. This person is getting baptized tonight. So many people have been praying for them. Not because they're a horrendous person. It's because all of your coaches All of your youth ministers, every person that is pushing a light board in the back, pushing a slideshow, running a camera, cares and prays for your salvation. You may not know that. And some of you here tonight, you are going to step into a relationship with Jesus for the very first time. And you did not know that when the bell rang at school this afternoon to dismiss you this first thing. I want to talk to you guys about this church in Rome. I just got in talking to Parker in the back. I was like, you know what, man? We're like a modern Rome. We're a group of people that we're like, we think we know everything. We don't think anybody has anything they can share with us that's going to be new. We're prideful. We're a rich society. We tend to look down on others. It's unnatural. Like, so So, in the newspaper last week, there was a group uh, from our church that went and served a nursing home and and it was it was an amazing thing that they did, but the reason it made the news is because it's countercultural. We don't live in a society that selflessly serves. We live in a society that is selfish and self serving and this this church in Rome, I feel like they were struggling with all these things that, that, that we struggle with, you guys. This idea that I don't need Jesus. How are you going to tell me I need Jesus? I mean, it's hard for me to tell you guys that you need anything. You have, almost most of us will go to bed tonight with some form of food in our belly and some form of roof over our heads, and you'll sleep on something halfway soft. That puts you in the top 1% of global population, if those things exist. You have clothes on your body. Anybody run around naked tonight? No? We'd figure that out real quick, right? Most of you have your needs met, your physical needs. Most of you have most of what you want. I mean, almost everybody in here is walking around with a stinking smartphone in their pocket. Some sixth grade boy's like, nah, my dad ain't gonna give me one until I'm in eighth grade. Good, you have a good father. I'm with him. He's making the right choice. So, how am I gonna convince you that you need a savior? This is so important, students, when you not only have your needs, but you have everything that you want as well. I'm gonna tell you that there's needs that you have that you may or may not see. And it starts with this. Romans chapter three, Paul writes to this church and he says, look, you need to understand that everyone has sinned and fallen short of perfection, of God's glory. Everybody sins. You guys think that person you go to school with that's perfect, they're not perfect. Hey, guess what? I'm harsh with my kids when I shouldn't be. I yell when I shouldn't. I make mistakes. I'm lazy when I should be energetic. I miss details when I should be more intentional. I I leave out parts of stories when I should be telling the entire truth. Any of you guys know that you're sinners as well. And you might go, okay, Josh, what's the point? None of us are perfect. The point is this. Three chapters later, the same writer says, you need to understand this. Just like when you go to work at Wendy's and you earn a paycheck and you earn a wage and you get paid $9 an hour to flip burgers and to clean out grease traps, he says the wages of sin is death. Wait, what? The wages of our sin, of our actions is spiritual death, separation from God for eternity. Did you guys realize that you have a need? You have a need for a savior. You have a need for saving. So those of you that sit here and you're telling me, man, Josh, don't tell me that I need Jesus. Hey, at some point, you're gonna need Jesus. And you can choose to either acknowledge that now or acknowledge that later. But it's our prayer that you would acknowledge that now, that that was God's heart when he was nailed to that cross, is that he would find you in need of saving and that you would receive that. Now, some of you tonight, you're like, Josh, I understand that, but you can't see my story. And I know that God sees my story, and Josh, here's the deal. He can't forgive that. Some of you are like, there's no way that I can be good enough, or i got to get my life together, Josh, before I unite my life with Christ. Because I think that following Jesus is all about works. I think it's about what I do, which isn't true. Students, Jesus is the one that did the work all the work that needed to be done in your life for salvation was done by Christ on the cross. Here's the deal. You and I cannot do enough good things to earn it. All you guys that think you're earning it by being do-gooders, there ain't no bag, number of bags of groceries you can carry for, old la- carry for old ladies that will earn you salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And for those of you that think that you're unforgivable, that you're too dirty, that your past is too wretched, that you've messed up too many times and there's no grace left for you, I want to share this with you. In Romans chapter, excuse me, in Romans chapter five, it's by far one of my favorite sections of scripture and students, I might read this to you Six times this year. See, in Romans chapter 5, it says this. It says, you see, at just the right time, just the right time, just like when the cookies were baked perfectly. That is when Christ died for the ungodly. Is it just the right time? And guess when just the right time was? It says, when we were still powerless. Powerless. When you had nothing to offer Jesus, Jesus said, that's when I want to step in on his life. I want to step in on her life. She feels like she's got nothing to offer. It is perfect timing. That is when she is ready for me. He thinks there's no hope and no future. Perfect timing. I'm ready to step in and offer purpose. He says, you see, just, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It doesn't say he died for the perfect. He didn't die for the churchy. He didn't die for the clean, the rich. He died for the ungodly. Thank you very much. That is me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, listen, demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to read it this way. But God demonstrates, and some of you need to hear this, God demonstrates his love for you. I wish I could go through this room 350 times and point at you in the face and go, God demonstrates his own love for you in this, that while you We're still a sinner. Christ died for you. There's mornings when I wake up that I have to remind myself of that and I have to point myself in the mirror because I don't want to waste Jesus' sacrifice. The last piece is this. Some of you in here are like, man, God doesn't even know who I am. (laughs) God doesn't know my name. God's never seen me. God doesn't know my hurt. I'm sorry that you feel alone. God didn't intend for you to feel alone. I want you to hear this hope that you get from Romans. Students, if you have time to read this book of Romans, you need to do this. It speaks right to our culture. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Paul says this. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who, who loved us. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced, listen to this, I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That includes not knowing God. Even if you don't know who God is, He is loving you and providing for you passionately in this moment. Nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord God doesn't know you he's beside you I love this illustration of baptism yeah we're all gonna see who it is Abby's gonna walk into the baptistry in a little bit here's a cool thing about this moment you guys all of Abby's life Jesus has been like a bridegroom at a wedding, standing at the front of an altar, just waiting for the bride to enter. And when the bride enters, it brings his heart joy. That's what happens as a groom. I've I've been a groom once. I will only be a groom once, I think. I hope so, Cassie. (laughs) I only plan on being a groom once. That's my plan. I remember how much joy when the doors opened and I saw my bride. None of her past mattered to me. All I saw was beauty. Jesus standing, knowing that Abby is gonna walk into this relationship. And the best part of this, at every wedding when you exchange vows, it is the groom, the bridegroom that puts himself out there. First, it says, Here is what I have for you. Students, Jesus has been waiting at the altar, wondering if you will come through those doors. And he put himself out there. And he said, here's what I have to offer. I have to offer all of me. I'm gonna cover all of the multitude of your sin. And you don't deserve it, but I am offering it full-heartedly. Will you receive me? You can think how awkward it'd be if my wife would've turned from the altar and walked out and said, nah, I'm gonna hold out for something better. Students, there is nothing better waiting for you. There is nothing better. And some of you are holding out. God doesn't care about your past. He knows who you are. And yes, you need him. And he has laid it out there. What will you say? What will you say? Some of you need to say yes tonight. Father, I pray for these students. Lord, uh, we've we've been trying to hammer hard your truth, Lord, and we know that whether or not one or 50 students make decisions tonight, God, we know that that's a movement that belongs to you. But Father, I pray for the student that is sitting there, stirring in their spirit, they want to stand up now and they want to go. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to go. Do not let anything stand in their way. In the name of Jesus, amen. If that you, and you need to make this decision, you can go right out those side doors, through the bathroom. There will be some of our coaches are in this back room. and we've got, if you don't think you're dressed for it, We'll figure something out. We'll see if we can find some shorts back here. We got a t-shirt. You can also get your jeans dirty. It doesn't matter. Because if it's time, it's time. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.